Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. Maximize your leadership potential and professional advancement and be inspired. We're delighted to be your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development from a women in business perspective. We share our original research, explore industry and workforce trends, and interview female executives, allies, and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things women in business, leadership challenges, talent management, organizational development, change management, and diversity and inclusion. Welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. In this podcast episode, Dr. Angela Schill and I talk with Lynn Erickson about becoming a lifelong learner. Lynn-Ann Erickson, welcome to the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. Great. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm joined by Dr. Angela Schill, and today we're going to be talking with Lynn-Ann about becoming a lifelong learner, and we're going to do that via her story, her own background and professional growth over time. As we get started, I wanted to share Lynn-Ann's bio with everybody. Lynn-Ann Erickson is a professional in residence at Utah Valley University, where she serves as the program lead for the Human Resource Management Program, as well as the faculty SHRM advisor. Prior to teaching, Lynn-Ann worked as an HR professional primarily in the manufacturing industry. She held specialist, generalist, and manager roles at different companies. She's also a consultant with Track Talent, a startup company focused on driving a people-first approach to attract, retain, and develop talent. She has a BS in business management from Utah Valley University and an MBA from Utah State University. We've known each other for a long time. We used to be neighbors and uh, we've worked together at UVU for a long time. Um, so it's a ple- real pleasure to have a chance now to to have this conversation with you before we dive on into the, the topic of lifelong learning. Oh man, so not too much to add, but I'm really happy to be here. And um, I think this conversation is going to be so important to have. And really, I'm approaching this topic from kind of the approach of, you know, you hear the idea that life doesn't really turn out the way that you expect. But (laughs) I feel like I'm coming from really my life didn't really turn out the way that I would expect. And so, you know, this topic is fascinating for me because I'm kind of, you know, figuring it out as I kind of move along. Um, But kind of just, you know, just want to talk about finding my way and I'm super happy to be here. Yeah. And, and knowing you personally, I, I know nobody has life work out exactly the way they, way they would expect, but I think you have a pretty good life. So I think you've done a lot of things really well. <laughs> I can I can attest to that as well, knowing Lynn and considering her a very good friend. I feel the same way, John. <laughs> you know, and I've been very fortunate to have a, a really great support system and that that's an element that I want to touch on a little bit later in our conversation, but just how critical it is to the people around us and finding your people and helping you through kind of the hard times and seeing potential in you and helping you be blind spots and helping you learn and grow. And I think that is, 
you know, has such a great impact on my life and has really helped me um, as I move forward. Just diving into this, this area of what it means to be a lifelong learner. How do you define, what do you, what do you see in your world as, what does it mean to be a learner in the first place? Yeah. You know, as I think about this topic and and I'm approaching it um, as a parent, I'm a single mom and as an educator and well as just, you know, trying to figure out life for myself. um, To me, it feels like the idea of learning is kind of wrapped up in this idea of growth. And as I think about growing and learning, um, I immediately think about all the work that Carol Dweck did with, you know, the growth and the fixed mindset. And we can talk about that in a minute. Um, But almost sometimes it's easier to think about it, what learning isn't. And I think the most unsatisfied or unhappy I've been in my life is when I felt stuck, when I wasn't really learning or growing or when I was static. And kind of understanding that learning isn't about constant achievement and it isn't about constant striving, which mm-hmm. uh, it's been really hard for my perfectionist self to kind of wrap my head around those two things, right? Because I've, I've put a lot of my eggs in those baskets of achievement and striving. and But I think really as as I try to teach my son, what I want him to do is be able to connect to growth and how to navigate that concept. And sometimes learning and growing and all those things is just holding space for them to happen as we learn from our experience rather than trying to make things happen. Um, sometimes we have to kind of lean into it. So it, it stretches us and we go down paths that are a little unplanned. And that can be pretty uncomfortable. We aren't really taught super well how how to do that super well. Um, But to me, as we think about learning, there's kind of some main core areas that I think about. And I think about being curious, having an open mind, being adaptable, uh, having persistence and resilience. And to me, all those things kind of fold in together to help us learn as we experience life. I appreciate you highlighting how learning doesn't necessarily mean constant striving and achievement. You don't have to constantly be chasing the next credential, um, you know, the next whatever, right? And I think that's kind of how a lot of us tend to approach it. I know I certainly have in the past and uh, it is kind of freeing when you get past that and just realize um, that independent of, you know, maybe the the credentials will come, you know, maybe that's a nice byproduct of your learning. Um, And it is nice to get the pat on the back and to get the acknowledgement and those sorts of things. But if that's really what it's all about, then there's probably not a lot of learning happening anyways. And so if you just go through you know, become curious and go through the learning process. And through that process, you get the credentials, you get the accolades, you get the acknowledgement. Fantastic. Um, but sometimes those things won't come and you can't often control when or when they won't come. Uh, and and uh, anyways, I think that was a, a really good thing to highlight. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. As you know, sometimes I think about when I've kind of jumped through the hoops of things, right? there isn't a lot of learning, right? I'm just trying to get through it so I can get done so I can go on to the next thing. 
And that really is, doesn't have a lot of value for us as we move through our lives. I wonder when you, you know, you talked about discomfort and growth, I kind of connected those two together, but I think on the other side of the coin is maybe we we jump through the hoops because it feels like we're doing, and that feels Mm -hmm. like progress. And it keeps us from feeling the discomfort of growth that might come in other ways as we kind of sit with ourselves and be there. And I wonder how have you managed or dealt with some of that discomfort if it's come (laughs) yeah I mean I it's been an interesting thing because as I've come through my formative years I was well into my adulthood before I realized I had really bad anxiety and the way that it would manifest for me is in overperforming and it's still something that I need to kind of watch I like to keep my plate very very full but in my in my younger years I used to use Anxiety is rocket fuel to just get things done. It's like, I have all these things that I need to get done. And I found by keeping my plate very full that I didn't ever have to feel uncomfortable or I just, I didn't have time because I was so busy. It was kind of like my shield. And so as I kind of had to reevaluate and do things a, a little bit differently, and I noticed as I, you know, as I started working and raising my young child of, understanding and paying attention to the season of life that you're in and understanding that I can't constantly overschedule and keep myself overly busy so that I can just do things. Um, We had a presenter today at UVU who came and her name was Dr. Sydney Shorter. And she shared a message about being a human being and not a human doer, I think is how she worded it, a uh, human doing. And so I thought that was a really interesting conversation of being a human being. Uh, she used the example of like an accountant does accounting, uh, but one of the traits that they have is integrity. And so being the integrity is coming from who you are as a person. And so in a roundabout way, the way I'm going to answer that question is getting to know yourself and your values, I think, helps you learn and grow in a way that's authentic and isn't the constant striving and the constant achievement because it lets you sit and connect with your inherent value. And we are no longer doing these things for validation we're no longer doing these things for the accolation we're doing things to get to know ourselves what's important to us what we value who's important to us and how we show that to them and that, that's a hard thing to balance because the world tells us society at large tells us to chase things and to chase praise and to chase uh, achievement um and and also i mean let's be straight here like it's good to have goals and it's good to achieve and it's it's good to get credentials and like there's nothing wrong with any of those things right but but it's when that becomes your constant focus and and it's relentless and endless <laughs> that i think it becomes a problem you know and there's i you know maybe part of this is just there's a stage in life you know where there's you know you're going to go through school you're going to go through college you're going to get the degrees to allow you to do the the career that you want to do like there's no way around some of those things um 
But if you feel, if you find yourself in the perpetual state of like never being enough for who you are, um, then, then I think that's a real problem. And I think, I think a lot of people, probably most people struggle with this. If we look at the way that we, you know, sometimes the outcomes are the same, right? We end up with the degree or we end up with the skill or whatever we want. But if we look at the motivation behind it, that's going to inform the energy that we're feeling while we're doing it mm-hmm. and trying to make, sh- you know, those decisions based on, you know, uh, things that are important to you rather than things that feel like they are shoulds can really impact the energy and the way that we experience getting that done. And I wish I would have known that a lot sooner. I don't know if it would have changed my choices, but maybe it could have changed the way I experienced that. And maybe I would have been a little bit less intense, a little bit less stressed and a little bit um, more at peace with how I was going through things. You mentioned this speaker that came and, and you've brought this up to this idea of authenticity and it's a little bit of it's a little bit of veering away, but not really as we're trying to manage and figure out how we want to do things differently. Like John said, a lot of us struggle with this. I think it comes in different stages and phases, but the the speaker today talked a little bit about how if we aren't able to be authentic and kind of tap into what motivates us besides the checking off of the list, really we're operating from a place of relationships. And if we can't find that authenticity, it disrupts that connection that we have with each other. Yeah, I, she was so good. She had so many great points. I lo- and I love this idea, though. But as a recovering people pleaser, I mean, <laughs> I, I was, you know, I was raised in Utah Valley in the 80s. I was the peacemaker of my family. And, you know, there's, it's kind of like a, a very earth shattering idea where it's like I don't exist to make other people feel comfortable and um, getting into tune of what I actually want or what I actually need um, you know it's a skill and learning that it's that I have inherent value without the doing of the things and without making everyone around me happy um, I think is is a concept that I really want to make sure that I can somehow teach my son of understanding who you are so that you you can kind of drown out some of the noise around you. Mm. I'm curious. There's a couple things I wanted to zoom in on. The first um, was around the checklist kind of thing, like the getting things done, the dopamine hit that you get when you like, accomplish something and you can say, look, I accomplished this thing, whether it was actually all that important or not, isn't really the point. It's just like, you can check things off. And and I remember years ago, um, when I was in a master's program, taking an organizational behavior course, I remember having a whole like portion of a class talking about the research behind checklists and like, you know, marking things off. And Angela, you teach that class now. So maybe this is something that comes up in your class too. But you know, that that influenced me so much at the time. And to your point, Linan, like I kind of wish I hadn't learned that back then. <laughs> like I I, you know, I it made me productive. Like I I I, you know, I can't complain about you know accomplishing things and 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 you know, lots of things that have helped me get to where I am today. So I, you know, that's good. But 
you know, I, I think this con this mentality of like constantly doing, constantly performing, constantly checking things off, it can it, it can really be a, a mask, you know, for for what really who you are and what really needs to be happening. And I mean, a lot of times the things on your list that you're checking off don't even matter anyways. Um, and so it just becomes this facade. I don't know. Is that something either of you have thought much about? Yes, that describes, uh, I think, all of my 20s. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it really resonates with me because, you know, and I, I think mask is a good way of putting it. And, you know, I have a very strong efficiency bias. I think my manufacturing background kind of spurred that on. Sometimes being the most efficient isn't the most important, right? If we're always worried about being the most efficient, we may not take the meandering path that has something for us to learn, right? And if we're just so focused on all of the things, when are we really going to take a minute to just kind of sit with life for a minute and decide, is this what I really want to do? Um, I think there's a big portion of my life where it's like, I never once stopped to evaluate. It's just like, go, 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 go achieve, achieve, achieve more, more, more. And I think building that in, almost building in that rest uh, would have been very beneficial for me. What do you think, Angela? Well, I, yes, I think yes to all of that. And I, I'm, I'm going back to, um, you were talking about being a recovering people pleaser, which I love. <laughs> And I've seen in the notes, recovering perfectionists, we talked about that a little too, but when you use the word recovering, then that indicates that you have shifted out of that space. We're talking about the shift and things that you wish you had done, but now you obviously you're doing it differently because we're talking about it and you're seeing those things. And so I'm wondering for you, what was that? Here's another checklist thing, but not really. The work looks different. What was that work like? Or I don't know if you want to talk about the traits that you mentioned earlier or what's that, what has that work been like for you? And maybe even a little bit of the impetus for that shift. Right. Yeah. Um, I think really one of the main things is when, um, when I got my um, anxiety diagnosis, things, I, my mental health was really hard and my physical health was, you know, a lot of things in my life weren't working. And as I started looking around, I noticed I had several things that just weren't serving me and the perfectionism and people pleasing are kind of like this just double-edged sword of doom that have always been passengers in my life and and again it's not like I've made bad choices or regret the choices I've made but the experience I had uh the, the you know the stress the all the extra things that go with them because uh I wasn't doing it for the right motivation um, really made life difficult for me. And so I had this realization um, as I, I started therapy and, and working through some of these anxiety issues of that people pleasing and this perfectionism, uh, honestly, I thought they were some of the best things about me. And it was this realization that's like, these are actually very unhelpful. And, you know, the perfectionism was hard because I wouldn't allow anything in my life to be wobbly. You know, Brene Brown refers to it as, as wobbly. And, you know, I think she has like a joke in her book about making a support group for recovering perfectionists. 
Uh, but I mean, if there's any meeting information, I'm very interested. Uh, but um, <laughs> but as we as these concepts, these these frameworks, it it they both start from this place of I have no value, so I need to do things, or I need to be X X X. Mm-hmm. and scaling those back to just be right at the beginning of I am enough I have value I don't need to get lost in all this activity and noise I think was a very important part for me to kind of bring in some of these other traits right curious and open-mindedness like some of these things can't live if we're just going to be a perfectionist super freak right so <laughs> You mentioned earlier about like the stuck unstuck um, condition. Uh, I'm wondering, like, what exactly? If we could talk a little bit more about that, like, what what does that look like for you? What were you stuck in? Um, how did you get unstuck? Like, what was the process to get unstuck? How do you how do you act proactively try to approach you know remaining unstuck? Yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because honestly, one of the main areas in my life, um, I've been very fortunate. I've never really felt stuck in my career. I've always had a pretty challenging career and, and I've been very privileged to have a lot of opportunity for me. But um, my personal life, I felt like I've struggled with the, in the last little while and I felt stuck in some of my personal relationships. They just weren't working. And really a big part of that was acknowledging, hey, I feel stuck. And I think it's pretty easy just to kind of go with the flow. You know, life is life. It's not always easy. It's not always going to be rainbows and unicorns. But getting to the point where it's like, oh, this doesn't feel great. And I feel stuck. And I think that was a big piece of being able to move forward was just acknowledging that I was stuck. And then along with it is advocating for my needs and being trying to communicate those and how unskilled I was and trying to figure that out. Um, I still feel like in a lot of ways, I'm doing a lot of work in those areas, but how did, um, how did you come, how did you come to the realization that you were stuck? Most people who are stuck don't even recognize it. And like you said, you, you held some of these, you know, unhealthy traits of, of perfectionism and people pleasing. A lot of people hold those up as like ideals that they aspire yes. to, and it, it becomes part of their core identity. And so certainly someone who holds that as a core value and identity piece of their identity is not going to see that as being stuck. Right. So like what, yes. what disrupted that for you? Like what helped you to recognize that? Right. And you know what? It's interesting because I use the word stuck, but the visual in my mind was I woke up one morning and just I could very clearly in my head. I had the feeling that several parts of my life were not moving unless I was pushing this giant boulder up Mm. the hill. And so I was exhausted. Nothing was working unless I was putting Herculean efforts into moving it. And so when I came to that realization, I I technically was moving. I wasn't stuck, but I was exhausted trying to push things that weren't moving on their own. And it's this idea of, I don't want it to be like this. Like, I mean, life isn't always easy, but also I don't have to push 
all these different elements of my life, I don't have to just push them up the hill by myself all the time. So how can I figure out a way that is working better? So I could put some of these ideas down that weren't serving me, but how can I get some more ideas that will help me so that I don't feel like all these areas in my life, I'm pushing uphill. I'm, I'm just thinking about that and wondering as you walk towards that or let go of the pushing in a lot of those areas, did that free up space? Did that feel different? What was that like? Right. I'm so glad you asked about it. It was terrifying and I hated it. And right, because I'm such a goer and a striver to actually rest and take a step back was very, very scary. Um, but well, to, to use your metaphor, yeah. you're pushing yeah. this boulder up the hill. So if you stop pushing, it's going to run you over. Yes. <laughs> yes. As, and in a lot of ways, it did. In a lot of ways, I had to let balls drop that I never would have let drop. And so it was this almost existential, like, who am I and what's important? Yeah. And I had putting effort into so many different things that were not serving me. And so trying to work through that was, it was hard and it took a long time, right? I think that's the other thing that's like, maybe that's a sign that you've crossed over to the old age. Your problems now take years to resolve <laughs> instead of just the semester's over and your problems are gone. Uh, and so kind of understanding and holding that space and giving myself the time to kind of figure it out. And really it's, it's a matter of just testing things out to see what works. Does this work for me? Does this not? And in a lot of ways, I'm still looking for that process mm -hmm. I, as we we're talking about all of these things you know you mentioned carol dwick and her work and that we could talk about that later and i'm i'm wondering if this is the space to bring those concepts in because i see you say you're still learning you're still growing yes one of my favorite things from the growth mindset which literally the growth mindset changed my life i because when you come life with a fixed mindset, and so if anyone listening maybe isn't very familiar, the fixed mindset is, right, I am all that I'm going to be. I'm not going to learn anymore. This is just what I am. It's almost like a rigid sense of self. This is who I am. This is what I am. And to me, the growth mindset, she has one concept that really resonates with me, and it's the word yet. And to me, that gave me a lot of hope is like, okay, I can't do any of this yet, but I can have the resilience and the persistence to keep moving towards this word yet. And it's not a destination. It's not somewhere we arrive, but it helps give us that hope and that motivation to keep moving in that general direction. And I think that, that power of that word yet is just, it really helped me of, yeah, this is maybe not so great. This boulder just flattened me and I'm very badly burned, but um, we can have that ability that we can learn and grow. And if we push hard with persistence and resilience and with our support systems, right? None of this is in a vacuum. We've got to have 
those key relationships. And we've mentioned relationships a little bit, but um, I don't know if we talk enough about how to form a good support system and how to make sure that you are, you know, asking for support and giving support and showing up the way that you want. I think that's all part of learning too, of leveraging our relationships and working together with each other. I think we could probably go on and on. Um, I'm noting the time. It's probably about time to start wrapping things up. Um, before we close things off for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share uh, with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about the work that you do at UVU and outside of UVU. Um, and then if you have any final thoughts or words on the topic for today. Yeah, sure. I think the easiest place to find me is on LinkedIn. As far as I know, I'm the only Lynn Erickson that exists. Um, so <laughs> you can find me uh, by my picture and my cover page is a crocheted blanket. So that's how you'll know you're in the right <laughs> spot. <laughs> and really, you know, just to kind of wrap up what we've been talking about of just holding that space for us to, you know, pursue our yet of no one's got it figured out. We're all in this together. We're building our support systems and you using each other to kind of move forward and understanding that um, we all have a different journey and, and elements of our journey bring us empathy and richness and depth that help us have deeper connections with each other. And I think that's where we can get a lot of joy in our lives. Yeah, well said. And it's a process. We're all going through life, trying to do the best we can, fumbling around and hopefully learning as we go. Thank you, Lynn Ann. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Lynn Ann can do for you. And as always, we hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. That you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And we hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Women in Business Impact Lab podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.